Good morning, 1910. How's everyone doing today? It's all right. You guys, are you guys good? Come on, give me a little, give me a little bit more. Oh my gosh. I thought this was the student service, right? I thought it was supposed to be super loud in here. Hey, we are so glad you guys are here. My name's uh, Chase Courtney. I am the high school pastor here. And it is an honor and it is a privilege to, to be in that role. I love it. Um, every single day. It's so much fun. Hey, if you're watching via live stream, welcome. Um, we're so glad you guys are tuning in while you're sitting poolside at the beach. That's awesome. I got a text just a few minutes ago saying we're praying for you. Um, we're at the beach, um, but, but we're watching. So I am thankful for live stream. Uh, Pastor Jason, Angie, and Annie are out today. Uh, went to a wedding this weekend, and so I know they're watching. So uh, we miss you guys. Can't wait for you guys to be back. And so, hey, we're going to have a good day. How many of you guys are ready to train to win? Everybody good? Awesome. Hey, we've been in this series called Train to Win, been talking about different spiritual disciplines that the Lord wants to do in us, right, so he can work through us. Are you with me? Right? So the last two weeks, we've talked about the, the discipline of celebration, now, I know that doesn't sound like it should be a discipline, but how many of you know that many times we don't celebrate enough? We aren't thankful enough for what the Lord is doing in our lives. And, and here's the other thing. We need to learn how to celebrate other people when our life isn't going as, as we planned, right? Because I believe there's power in being thankful and celebrating other people's wins and what God is doing in their life, even if you find yourself in a hard season of life, right? Because your time's coming. You're going to be able to celebrate. So we need to learn how to celebrate even when it's not us, right? Last week, Pastor Jason talked about um, the discipline of serving and how we were not, um, we weren't saved just to sit here and wait to go to heaven one day. We were saved to serve, right? We were saved to be a blessing to others. So Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could just wait to go to heaven. Jesus died on the cross so that when you come in contact with other people, they could find that same love, right? We were saved to serve. Today, we're gonna talk about a discipline that um, I feel like can be a little uncomfortable, right? It gets pushed aside quite a bit because maybe we're scared to talk about it in church. And but I will say this, culture is not scared of talking about this. And they're coming full force and we need the church to rise up and talk about this per particular subject and it's the discipline of purity. Everyone say purity. 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 The pursuit of purity, or should I say the pursuit of Jesus, that, that we pursue Jesus so much that he puts the desire of purity in our life, right? He puts that desire inside of us that we want to pursue that. So my goal today, some of you may squirm in your seat a little bit, but I'm totally comfortable with that. Um, but my goal today is really to see God bring some freedom to our minds, to our hearts, right? To bring freedom to us, right? Because so many of us struggle in our purity and that's not how God designed it. That's not what God designed for you, son and daughter of the most high God. You were created for more. You weren't created to struggle. Anybody with me today? You weren't created to struggle. So we're going to pray for freedom in this place today. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, there's freedom, right? There's liberty. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place. We open ourselves up to you right now. God, our heart is open. God, we surrender ourselves to you. Lord, I pray that your word and your truth would come forth. 
God, that it would pierce our heart, that it would challenge us. God, that there would be conviction where conviction is needed. And Lord, I pray that you would set us apart. God, that you would challenge our purity. God, that we would have a desire to pursue the discipline of purity in our life. God, no matter what that looks like and no matter what that challenges us in our life. Father, we love you and we thank you and we ask for freedom in this place. And everyone said, amen, amen. So purity, what is purity? Purity is simply this, freedom from anything that contaminates or pollutes. That's what purity is. Anything, freedom from anything that contaminates or pollutes. You see, pursuing purity is a discipline because how many of you know that our natural inclinations as a human is to go the opposite direction? Right? Like, I don't, I don't, you may think that like you're perfect and you've got it all together, but really deep down, your natural inclination because of the fall of man and the curse of sin is to go the opposite way of purity. Right? Uh, Pastor Jason talks about it all the time that when we're, when we're kids, like our natural inclination is not to go, oh, you can have this. Like, or mommy, I love you. No, it's, it's usually like screaming and I, that's mine. Like, that's just who we are. And even though we're not kids anymore, we're adults, really, we're just grown-up kids, right? How many of you can attest, you know, we're just grown-up kids sometimes. We still have our selfish moments. We still have our moments where purity is not the highest thing or virtue in our life, right? But God has designed us in his image, but we know that the curse of sin has wrecked havoc on mankind. And we've got to challenge that so today I want to challenge the body of Christ, this family here, to pursue purity and to see God restore the brokenness in our culture. And let's get something clear from the get-go. Purity is not just a sexual matter. It is an all-around thing. It is a heart issue, right? Purity, when I, when I talk about purity, it's not just in the sexual realm it is, a, it is a matter of the heart. Now, I'm going to hit some of those things today, so be, be okay with being a little uncomfortable, right? Because we need to hear truth, and we need to get out of our comfort zone if we're ever going to change the world, right? But purity is a matter of the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You see, our thoughts, our speech, and our actions all come from the condition of our heart. So whatever you think about, whatever you say and whatever you do really represents the condition of your heart. And so if you're doing things, if you're thinking and speaking and doing pure things, I would, I would begin to, I, I would say that your heart has, you have a pure heart, right? Like you're pursuing purity. But if everything you say and everything you think about and everything you do displays the opposite of purity, then I would challenge the condition of your heart and where you are, right? Because the word says, guard your heart for everything you do and everything you say flows from it. And I believe the Lord is after pure thoughts and pure speech and pure actions, right? That's what he's after. He wants to see the identity of Jesus inside of us. So I'm gonna read a story that comes from 2 Kings 2, um, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. And just to give you some context of the story before we get into it, we know that there was a prophet named Elijah. Everyone say Elijah. And then after Elijah, he raises up a neat, another leader named Elisha, right? Two different guys, both prophets of God, both being used by God. 
And this is the first miracle of Elisha that we're going to read in 2 Kings 2. It says this, One day the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my lord, they told him. This town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. And then he went to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified, everyone say purified. I have purified this water and it will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. And so when I read this story, I was, I was just asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to show me through this? And I felt like the Lord was showing me like Jericho, man, when you look at America, every, like when you compare America to the rest of the countries in the world, we're still doing really good. Like we still live in a great land. We still live in a great country. I don't know what your political views are, what, what you think about culture. Like I know all of that is kind of messed up, but we still live in a great nation, right? But I believe the water of our nation is bad. I believe it's polluted. I believe it's corrupted. I believe our society and our culture is living in a very polluted place. And it's infiltrating every aspect of our country. It infiltrates the politics. It infiltrates Hollywood. It infiltrates our families, our teenagers, our kids. It infiltrates every single thing that we do. I believe the water is polluted because we have a, such a lack of purity in our culture. We have a lack of purity in our society and everything goes. Let's just, everything's open, right? We're just gonna pursue it all. And I'm telling you, God wants to heal our land. He wants to heal our nation. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal your family and your students. He wants to heal our land but we've got to get the water right. We've got to get the source of everything right. Are you with me today? So what is wrong with the water in our land? Pornography, adultery, intimacy without the covenant of marriage, lust, desires and fantasies in our mind, media that we take in, the music that we listen to, the movies that we watch, the the social media that we engage in, the greed the alcoholism, the drug addiction, the racism, the hate, the pride, the broken marriages. These are just a few of of the immorality, the impurities that, that our culture is facing and fighting every single day. But here's the deal. We can't just look at culture. We have to look at the bride of Christ as well. Because how many of you know that in the bride of Christ, these things are running rampant as well? Like, like we aren't um, we, weren't, we aren't excluded from these things. Like we, the body of Christ, the, the blameless, spotless body of Christ is still having issues. The water is bad. And maybe it's because we've been taking in so much culture and engaging with, with everything the world has to offer. And I want you to hear my heart. I, nothing I'm talking about today is legalism. Like I'm not asking us to be like so like, just stone-faced and holy and pure that like we have no engagement in the, in the culture, right? Like that's not going to restore our land either. But we have to be aware of what our culture is giving out and we have to be aware of what we're taking in. Are y'all with me today? These things are within the bride of Christ as well. 
I want to give you a few statistics real quick um, about uh, a really serious issue that I believe, I know it, it hits a lot of uh, students and teenagers, but it's not just with teenagers, it's with adults as well. And it's, it's big time with adults and it's the thing of pornography. Do you know that 12% of the entire internet is made up of porn sites? 90% of students before they turn the age of 18 will be exposed to pornography and most of them engaging in it. 90%. 30% of adults say that porn is morally acceptable. Now these are a ton of different sources. We know that statistics can fluctuate, right? But even if it was 10%, of adults that would say that pornography is morally acceptable, we would have an issue. Like we would have a problem because that means there's 10% of our families and our nation that are okay with that. Like there's an issue there. And I remember about two years ago when Pastor Danny was uh, still the high school pastor, he did a survey one, one night, an anonymous survey for our high school students. Um, and he was on a series talking about love, sex, and um, how, God designed, how God had designed it for us. And he did an anonymous survey. And in that survey, he asked a couple questions. A few of those questions were this. Have you ever been exposed to pornography? And if so, what was the earliest point in life that you've been exposed to it? And do you know out of 70 high school students that night that filled out that that survey, only two said they had never been exposed to pornography. So 68 of your high schoolers said, yes, I've been exposed to pornography or I've engaged in it. And the earliest was in second grade. And the majority, like 90% of those students that said that they have engaged in pornography or they've, or they've been introduced to it, 90% of those students had been introduced between the ages uh, or the grades of fourth and seventh grade. There is an issue, guys, in our culture Because it's saying, here you go. Just be curious. Like you need to be aware. Like this is exciting. It's it's thrilling. Like you want an adventure in life as a middle schooler? Here you go. It's right at your fingertips. And what Pastor Danny and I discovered in that office that night as we were literally broken before like reading those surveys is that we realize that if we're starting to talk about sex and pornography in high school, if we're just now starting to talk about it, then we've missed the mark. Like we've missed it if we just now introduce it because the world has introduced it to them three or four years before, right? And many times we're scared to talk about it in church because we don't wanna get uncomfortable. Like we don't wanna make people squirm in their seat. Like it's just, it's just a hard topic. Let's just leave that maybe to small groups or Um, Maybe let's just do a a class on healing and, uh, you know, like maybe they come in, like the addicted just come in. No, we've got to share the truth if we're going to see our land healed. Are you with me this morning? We can't be scared to share it because this is what's in our water. Not to mention the divorce rate in the church, not to mention Um, the alcoholism or drug addiction within the church, not to mention the pride in in, in the church, not to mention racism and hate within the body of Christ. Guys, we have to wake up to what the Lord wants to do because it's here. You see, Paul is clear in his statement in 1 Corinthians 6. He says to run from sexual immorality. Everyone say run. He says to run from sexual immorality. And I would say, 
to run from every immorality, right? Not just sexual, but everything that tries to come against you and who you are in Christ, run from it. You see, Paul uses this aggressive, proactive verb. He doesn't use a passive, reactive verb. And I think many times the body of Christ, and I'm guilty of this as well, what we do is we try to wait as long as we can before actually acting and doing something. And before, before then, it's too late, right? Like, here's what we do oftentimes. Maybe you've been there before. I've been there before where you have, you have towed the line. You've got as close to the line as you can between the thing that you know you shouldn't do and the thing that you know you should do, right? Have you ever been there before? Or am I the only one? Like, like, here's the line. I shouldn't do that. I should stay here and do this. And so what I'm going to do, because I love Jesus just enough that I'm not going to dive over the line. I'm just going to put my feet on the line and just to get a little feel, right? Like, as a teenager, that was my life. It was like, I go to church. My mom brings me to church. And so I'm going to do the church thing. Uh, but when my mom's not looking, this is me, right? Like, I'm, I've got both feet as, as far as I can into the world because I want to experience all that the world wants to offer me, but I also don't want to, God to be mad at me, right? I also don't want to go to hell. And so we, we, we get in this line of like what's right and what's wrong and what God has called us to do and what the enemy is tempting us to do. And we just kind of stay on the line instead of standing strong and saying, no, I'm pretty firm right here and I'm loving life right here. I don't have to go there, Right? You see, as a youth pastor the last 10 years, I've had multiple students ask me this question when it comes to uh, getting physical in a relationship. They say, how far is too far? How far is too far? Like any, if you've ever been a youth pastor, you've probably heard that before. How far is too far, Pastor Chase? And I always wanna say like, well, if you're asking me that question, more than likely you've already passed that line, right? Because you feel guilty, you feel bad. So you're like, oh, by the way, how far is too far? Because, you know, I'm just asking for a friend, right? No, more than likely, if you're asking that question, you're, you've already gone too far. If not physically, you've gone too far in your mind, right? You've already gone there in your heart. So you're like, okay, contemplating, how can I get away with what I want to do without getting people mad at me or getting God upset with me, right? I'm telling you, Many times as Christ followers, that's where we are instead of being firm in our identity and saying, no, I I thank you for offering that, but I don't really need that. Like, that's not who I am. Like, I'm firm in my foundation as a Christ follower, right? And so there's this, been, there's this uh, big movement over the last couple of years. If you watch YouTube at all, you can find them. Um, there's like teenagers and young adults that are deciding that it's a really good idea to climb to the top of skyscrapers and do really stupid things on the ledge, right? Like, I, if you've ever seen them, they make you queasy, right? But I'm gonna show you a little video real quick. are crazy. 
Like, you may watch that and be like, man, go you, that's awesome. Like, I wish I could do that. And I'm thinking, no, you're stupid, right? Because I don't even know if half of those people are alive anymore. Like, for real. Here's the deal. Like, there is a huge movement, um, especially in China and overseas, where they're doing this. They're getting away with this. And they're doing it for the thrill of it, for the adventure of it. They're doing it for their social media accounts, right? They're doing it for YouTube channels. Just to get, how many likes can I get? How many follows can I get? And they're literally putting their life on the line. And many of them are falling. Like it's happening all the time. You all, I hear about it all the time. Like, oh yeah, that person that has this awesome video. Yeah, he's dead now. Because eventually when you tow the line, when you tow the edge, eventually you're gonna slip. Eventually you're going to fall and it's gonna become your destruction, right? And as Christ followers, many times we see what God has done and we say, God, you're so good and I wanna experience all that you've done, but I... Oh, the world is offering me so much and it's so tempting and all my friends are doing it, right? And I just, I just wanna experience just a little bit of it, but at some point you're going to fall because in your own strength, you can't hold yourself up, right? You're gonna slip, but God calls us to something more. You weren't made to live on the edge. You weren't made to live in in that place of, of do I do this or do I do this? You were made to live in a place where you know who you are and you're confident in that. And when everyone says that you're missing out, you're just saying, ah, you're missing out because I've discovered something greater, right? I've discovered something greater. In our purity, our attitude should never be, how close to the edge can I get without falling? Because eventually you're gonna fall. Why is purity so important, especially within a relationship? You see, because the one that created you is pure. The one that created you loves you. And he created you to be in his image. If you read Genesis, you see it says, let us make man and woman in our image. Like you were created in the very image of God, the king of the earth the king of the universe, you were created in that image. Yet we forsake that image so often for temporary things. You see, God created relationships. God created sex. Intimacy is a great thing. Now you need to know that intimacy is not just physical. Intimacy is everything. Intimacy is emotional. It is spiritual. It is all encompassing, right? And so when we talk about intimacy, we're not simply talking about a physical act, but we are talking about a connection between two people that is so deep and it's so profound. You see, I believe that God created intimacy to be celebrated. But how many of you know that intimacy without commitment or without covenant is dangerous? Because intimacy requires responsibility. If you're gonna be intimate with someone, It requires responsibility for that someone, right? And many times we, and this is what happens. I'm just going to say it. We have a lot of adults that that they grow up and they're like, you know what? I'm I'm old enough to make this decision. I'm just going to, you know, I've got this girlfriend. I've got this boyfriend. We're just going to move in together. I'm telling you, that's a dangerous thing because you're engaging in an intimate place. You're engaging intimately without the covenant, without the commitment, And I would say this, if you really love each other, then commit, engage in the covenant, right? 
Because intimacy without the willingness to, to take on that responsibility that comes with it, it's irresponsible and it's dangerous. And I say that with a loving heart. Please hear my heart. God wants the best for you. Students, God wants the best for you. He doesn't just want the next guy for you. Just because she has a breath doesn't mean that you should date her. Right? Like, it doesn't mean that you're ready. Like, if you're not ready for intim- if you're not ready for marriage, then you're not ready for intimacy. Like, bottom line, be okay with waiting. Be okay with being yourself and allowing God to refine you. Because that's who he's calling you to be. Purity starts in the heart. But Chase, I've never had sex. I've, I'm not in a relationship. I've, I've physically never done anything like that. And my question, my, first of all, I would say, awesome. Stay that way until the Lord calls you to something differently, right? Uh, but I would ask you this question. Have you gone there in your mind or in your heart? Because purity starts there. Purity is not just a physical act. Purity is, it starts in the mind and it starts in the heart of who you are. Let your thoughts and your speech and your actions go there as well. You see, Jesus talks a lot about our purity and talks about our thoughts and our words and our actions. And in fact, the grace of Jesus doesn't just, doesn't just excuse our impurity, but he actually calls us to a higher level. How many of you know that? That the grace of Jesus calls us to a higher level and a higher standard. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus literally says this, in the old covenant, in the old days, if you slept with another man's wife, you were called an adulterer. But I say, I say this to you, if you even think of a woman lustfully in your mind, you are already committing adultery in your mind. Like Jesus raises the standard. It's no longer if you physically act upon it, but it is literally what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your mind, because I want to purify everything from the inside out, right? Like, I don't want to just purify the actions. It's not just behavior modification. It is literally, he wants to cleanse us from the inside out. Are you with me today? He wants to cleanse us from the inside out. And purity isn't a one-time choice you make when you're a teenager to stay pure. Like, purity is not just that, that choice that you make when your, your daughter goes to a banquet, a purity banquet, and you as parents go, and, and you give her a purity ring, and then it's like, sweet, I'm pure, No, you have to wake up every single day and make a choice to be pure. That's what you have to do. You see, purity is a lifelong process, not a quick destination. Like you don't ever arrive at a place of, I am pure. Look at me. Like, look how awesome I am. I'm like glowing. I'm so pure, right? No, you wake up every day and you say, okay, I'm tempted again, but I choose purity. I'm tempted again. The world's offering me this again, but I choose Jesus, right? I choose to have strength in him because he's better, right? It's a lifelong process, not a quick destination. You have to commit each day to making pure choices in relationships, yes, but in every area of your life. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We, we see that he calls us to a high standard, and it's a standard that um, in your own strength, you will not be able to meet. Um, and so you're going to fall. You're going to have 
uh, interruptions. You're gonna, ha- you're gonna have moments of failure, but can I give you some good news? The very next verse says this, yet God in his grace, in his what? In his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. You see, Jesus's grace is enough for you. It's sufficient for you. Maybe you walked in today and you're like, I am dealing with some, some impurities. I'm dealing with some immorality in my life. I'm, I'm struggling in my mind. Um, maybe I, I'm addicted to something and I cannot, uh, I can't get out of that cycle of sin. Um, and you just feel helpless. You feel hopeless. I'm telling you today, it's only the grace of God that's gonna get you out of that. It, it is only the love of Jesus that can set you free from that. But he can do that. You see, Jesus calls us to a life of holiness. I know the word holiness is not popular in church because when we, when we think of holiness, we think of boredom, right? Like a lot of people equate holy to being dull and lame and prude and, and undesirable. But I'm here to tell you the truth. Being holy simply means to be set apart. It simply means to say, God, I choose you and the best that you have for me. And whatever culture tells me, whatever the water tastes like, I'm okay with passing on that because I think you've called me to something greater. And how many of you know that God knows you better than you know yourself? And he knows what's best for our lives more than we know. And so I wanna challenge you on that, that God calls us to be holy and it doesn't mean that you have to be boring. Like you don't have to be a boring person to be holy. Like I I feel like I've seen um, the previous life of Chase. I've seen him. I've seen the the very impure, unholy um, Chase. And I saw the, the adventures that I had that always left me empty and left me feeling like I had a void in my life and, and left me condemned and broken. And I also see this side of Chase. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I have mess ups. Ask my wife. But I see this side of Chase that says, no, I choose a better life and I choose a better journey. And guess what? My life is not boring. My life is full of adventure and I'm enjoying every part of my life. And I can stand here today with confidence and say, I live in joy. I live in peace. I feel like I'm whole and I'm not broken. I don't feel condemned. But that Chase felt condemned and broken and had no peace and had no joy. And so I will always choose this life rather than that life. And some of you can celebrate that because that's you as well, is that you see the old life and you can celebrate that, thank God I'm not in that place anymore. Like, thank God I've crossed the line and I've pursued a place of holiness and a place of purity through him. Back to the story in 2 Kings 2. There's a problem in the water and it's destroying the land. It's causing infertility. It's causing destruction in families. It's making people get sick. And Elisha's solution is to bring a bowl of salt and throw it in the source of the water. Now, you know, salt has um, great, uh, great meaning in the word of God, but it also does a lot of good things for us, right? How many of you like some salt, right? It flavors the food. It helps the taste out, but salt also heals. It purifies and it preserves. There's a lot of good elements of salt, a lot of cool things that it does for us here on the earth. But in the Bible, it talks about, there's one particular passage in the Sermon on the Mount, again, that Jesus says you're called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, right? 
We're called to bring some flavor to the earth. How many of you know that our, our world needs Christ followers that are, that are adventurous, that are, are willing to go there, willing to get out of their comfort zone and actually flavor the world? Because God's presence is inside of you. You see, Elisha's solution was to take a bowl of salt and throw it in the source of that water. And it says that the water was purified. And I believe that we live in a country that, yes, is awesome, and I'm thankful for it, but it's messed up at the root of it. And it's, it's source of water. It's polluted. But you and I have the solution. Like, we are the salt of the earth. We just got to start living like it. We've start, we have to start infiltrating the systems and being the salt of the earth and being the light of the world and being okay with not being like culture. It, it, just because you're not like culture doesn't mean like, like you can still engage in culture if you're not like it. Like you don't have to look like them. You don't have to look like everything it offers. Like you can be different. It's okay. God gives us permission. He says, be holy, be set apart. And I believe that we are the salt of the earth that can change our land. So how do we train for purity? quick, real quick, five things. Number one is commit to pursuing purity. You actually have to commit to it. You can't just sit there and wait for it to fall in your lap. Like you can't just sit there and be like, God, I really want purity, but I don't really want to do anything about it. Like, like if you want to actually get stronger, you have to lift weights, right? You actually have to get to the gym. Like I'm speaking to myself because that's a struggle. You actually have to do it. Number two, you need to set boundaries. If you want to commit yourself to purity, Set some boundaries. If you are addicted to pornography, throw the phone away. Like, buy a flip phone. Like, they still sell those somewhere, I think. Like, they're out there. Because I've had students that have literally gone that direction and said, I struggle so much with pornography, I'm giving my smartphone to my parents, and I'm asking for a flip phone that doesn't have internet. That's bold. Like, we used to live on flip phones. Like, we can do it again if we have to, right? Like I actually, I'm actually old enough where we didn't have a computer or phones in my house when I was in middle school. Like we didn't have that. That wasn't, that was unheard of. Right. And so we can survive. Like if you're addicted to alcohol, like set boundaries, do whatever you have to do to fight that. Be aggressive, right? Don't be passive and say, well, you know, I'm addicted to pornography, but I just, I really like my computer in my room. No, parents, get your computer, get the computer out of your student's room. Parents, get the computer out of your husband's room. Like, uh, let's just be real. And uh, like, that's just, it's, I know it's uncomfortable to talk about, but it's a problem in the water. It's a problem in our culture and it's a problem in the body of Christ. And there is freedom from those things. You don't have to struggle. You weren't meant to struggle Number three, rely on the Spirit's help and walk in the grace of God. If you're going to live a life of purity and you're going to pursue that, you have to have the help of the Spirit inside of you. You can't do it alone. You will fall and fall and fall and feel condemned and broken and you won't want to get up. You will sit in your pit of misery forever because you can't do it alone. You've got to have the help of the spirit inside of you. And when you do fall, you've got to walk in the grace of God because he wants to pick you right back up. He doesn't want you to start all over. He wants you to, 
wants to pick you up and just continue moving on, right? Number four, submit yourself to leadership that's further along. Like, if you, if you struggle with pornography, don't go to a person that's struggling with pornography and say, hey, man, let's just be accountability partners. Like, more than likely, you're both just going to fall, right? Because you're not strong enough on your own. You're not going to be strong enough together. You need the help of the Spirit, but you also need good leadership in your life that has victory over those things, right? And so if you have a struggle in your life this morning, if you have uh, this place of impurity in your heart, Find leadership in your life, humble yourself and say, I want victory. So I'm going to seek out someone that has victory in that area, right? Humble yourself. Be okay with that. And lastly, renew that commitment every single day. Start with that commitment and renew it because you got to make a decision every single day. Um, Parents, I do want to um, give you a few resources that I've found um, over my time that has um, really helped me. Um, helped me lead ministry and um, even helped me when I was, uh, when I was younger and, and new to faith. Um, there were some resources that I believe are really helpful. Um, some of these things are Covenant Eyes, um, really cool software that helps you um, just protect your family um, from anything from tablets, phones, computers, you name it. Uh, there's, there's opportunity there. Um, it's a great software. You can check that out. Um, there is also a website um, it's more like a, it's like a community, le- less of a church and more of a community um, that's, that's there for each other to provide resources. And it's called Triple X Church. So don't Google anything else other than Triple X Church. Um, but I promise you, you, if there is struggle in your house, um, if there, you have struggle within yourself, this is a great resource. Um, they really come beside people and help people that have um, addictions to Uh, a lot of different things. So check that out. And last thing, one of my favorite organizations that's out there right now, it's called Moral Revolution. Um, It's a lady named Havila Cunnington, who is from Bethel um, in Redding, California, a church that's well known. Um, And she started this organization called Moral Revolution. And I, um, I subscribe to all her emails and to the social media platforms that they put out. Um, Amazing quotes, challenges, um, teachings for students, for families, for marriages. Um, it's an incredible resource. So check it out, Moral Revolution. Um, and as I wrap up, I just wanna, I wanna say this. I believe um, pursuing a life of purity is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth saying no when everyone else is saying yes. It's, it's worth looking at your relationship with Jesus that you've said yes to and saying, God, your yes is so much greater than everything else around me. My yes to you holds way more weight than my having to say no to everything that offers itself to me. My yes to you carries weight, God. And I would ask every one of you to, to really ask, to ask yourself, is my yes Does my yes to Jesus carry weight? Sure, it it gets me to church. It makes me a little bit of a better person. I don't cuss as much. But does my yes really carry the weight that God wants it to carry? Does it really carry the weight in my life that I can literally look at everything culture is giving to me and I can say, ah, I've discovered something so much greater so much deeper. I've discovered a greater treasure in Jesus. And I'm okay standing firm and not having to get on the edge. 
one day fall off. I'm okay with, with who I am because I've committed myself to Jesus. I believe it's worth it. Students, can I tell you, please, from a young age, it's worth it. It, it took me 17 years, which I'm thankful for. I'm thankful it didn't take me 40 years. Like, it took me 17 years to realize that it was worth it, but I promise you it's worth it for you. And if you're 50 years old in here, 60 years old, it's still worth it. You can still make a choice right now. You're not too far gone. Jesus declares a, pr- a powerful promise to his followers in Matthew 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. I don't know about you, but that messes me up. Like, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they get to see God. I want that. Like, I, I want to see God, yeah, in eternity. That's going to be awesome. But while I'm breathing, I want to see him in my life every single day. Like, I don't want to miss out on this amazing God. I want to see him. I want to experience him. And I believe if you want to walk in victory and freedom in every part of your life, then purity will get you there. Relying on the Spirit's power at work within you. See, the Spirit's power in your pursuits will lead you to victory. See, the Spirit has a role to play, and I believe that we have a role to play. The Spirit's power and your pursuit will lead you to victory. There's a great worship leader that I I just love, and he's not well-known. His name's Jason Upton. Um, He has an incredible, incredible, um, just a, a unique vibe to him, and he's got so much powerful stuff out there. He says this in one of his songs. says, purity and victory, you cannot separate them. Purity and victory, you can't separate them. So if you want to live a victorious life, if you want to live a life of freedom, then it's going to come at the cost of you choosing purity. You can't just go about your life and say, God, I don't really care. Like my words don't really mean a whole lot. My actions don't mean a lot. My thoughts, yeah, whatever. Like you can't go about life and expect to live in victory and, and freedom. Purity and victory, you can't separate them. They come together. I'm reminded of the story in the Gospels where Jesus is called to go to the house of Lazarus and Lazarus has already died and Jesus didn't get there in time to to heal him before he died. And so Mary and Martha were, were ticked off at Jesus because he didn't come in time. And of course, Jesus knows the end story, right? Jesus knows that I'm gonna raise him up from the dead anyway, so chill out, right? And Jesus says, look, God's gonna get the glory for this because this man's about to be resurrected. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And we see that the tomb is open and this dead man, this once dead man, comes out resurrected and he walks out. And of course, everyone's amazed. Everyone's probably freaked out, right? Like this dude's been dead for three days, but now he's standing in front of me. But Jesus makes this declaration. He says, there's still grave clothes on him. Take those clothes off of him. And I believe the body of Christ, I believe there are so many redeemed, resurrected people that are still walking in grave clothes. There's still the body of Christ that we have been freed from our penalty of sin. Yet we're walking out of the tomb and we should be resurrected. And we're walking out, but we're still wearing the same old nature. 
We're not walking in the newness of God. We're not walking in the new creation. We're not walking in the purity and holiness that God calls us to. And I hope you don't get offended by this because I'm talking to myself. Like God is calling us to walk in the newness of who he's called us to be. Let's take off, strip off the old nature and let freedom and victory reign in our life. Are you with me? Come on, do you want that? Because that's what he's calling us to. You were made for more. You were made for the presence of God. And I know this, the presence of God, in the presence of God, sin cannot stand. In the presence of God, impurities and immorality cannot withstand the presence. He's good. He's powerful and he's faithful. Come on, can you stand with me? As we wrap up, we're going we're gonna to spend a moment in worship, but I want to say this. Jesus' love for you is pure. His heart for you is pure. His design for you is pure. Whether you're 10 years old or 90 years old, he calls you to a place of purity because that's who he is. And he designed you to be in his image. And maybe some of you today, maybe you need to surrender your heart to King Jesus for the very first time. Or maybe you need to say, God, I've, 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 I've laxed on my purity. I, I've let it go. But I want you to restore that in me today. As we worship today, can we, just, can we just open our hearts out to him and say, God, just come in and restore the brokenness in me. Can we do that today? Come on, let's, let's pray and then we're going to worship. Holy Spirit, I pray for every heart to be open right now for every heart to be surrendered to you, God. Lord, I pray for every broken place to be mended and to be healed. God, I pray for everyone that may find themselves addicted or stuck in a hard place. Lord, I pray that you would bring freedom and victory today. God, that your, your breath would just blow through this house today, God. That you would bring new life, resurrected life, God you would allow us to strip off the old nature and walk free in victory in the new nature of God. Father, we love you and we thank you. Come on, let's spend some time worshiping him.